Welcome to the Four Feathers Podcast, brought to you by ONTAPSportsNet.com and presented by Manscaped. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to Manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin-safe technology so you don't nick your balls or any other sensitive areas. Want to keep the boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and deodorant so you're fresh from a.m. to p.m. Go to Manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping and all your manscaping needs. That's manscaped.com. Use promo code ONTAP, all one word, and that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Blackhawks fans and welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show. I am Johnny Nani. Ron Luce is joining me tonight to break down a Blackhawks 5-4 overtime loss. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Blackhawks lose their fourth straight to open the season, but they did pick up a point um, and it was probably their most competitive game of the year. So, Ron, how you doing tonight, my man? You know what, Johnny, considering the outcome of the game obviously being a loss, I'm actually not in the dumps like I thought I would be tonight. Like you said, the Blackhawks were actually competitive tonight. We actually have some good things to talk about, which I'll be honest with you, after those first three games, I thought that was going to be an absolute not happen this year on this show. <laughs> um, so the fact that we're talking about it a little bit tonight is nice. Wish they would have gotten that second point, but um, overall a decent showing from the Hawks tonight. Definitely a different uh, flavor, especially in the second period, and we'll get into that and much more. Uh, but before we do, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and the main account at ontapsportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a five star rating and review and subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, we would really appreciate it. So, Ron, uh, let's jump in uh, to this game. Like I'd mentioned, five to four overtime loss. Uh, Blackhawks get a point, but uh, no W. Um, what are your initial thoughts from this one a lot of good uh a lot of guys stepped up that we needed to step up um i'm sure we'll talk about him later in the show but i'll just briefly touch on it uh my stick to click dominic kubalik looked real nice tonight um had a had a pump that one it felt really good about that one tonight but no overall i think there like i said there was a lot of good to actually take away from this game i think there's a lot of things that i still have personal question marks about especially once you look at the score sheet and kind of go oh shit like especially time on ice. I know that's something we've talked about already on this, on this show before. Um, but again, it, you know, it's something that the Brinkett said after Sunday's game, they got to play a full 60. Um, they still haven't. If we're just calling a spade a spade here, they haven't. And you saw it tonight. And I, I know we're going to dive into that here when we talk about uh, that third period and, you know, but overall their their first competitive game of the season, they actually look like a hockey team tonight. So, I know we don't love silver linings, but that's a silver lining that I'll take. 
Ron, it's a season of silver linings. Um, so th- that's what we're going to have to go for, uh, especially in something like this, because, you know, uh, ultimately, if you were in like a chase for points and we're thinking, you know, uh, trying to make the playoffs here, this one stings and we're probably really pissed off. But <laughs> instead, we're a little bit excited uh, that it was actually uh, some watchable hockey from the Blackhawks here. And, uh, you know, they, they did look really good in the second period. And like I said, we'll get into that as the period by period breakdown uh, comes along. But um, th- this was our first look at Kevin Lankinen tonight. And, Ron, I, I know it was another five-goal uh, performance, you know, that the Blackhawks goalies let up. But I will start by saying that I think Kevin Lankinen played the most composed game out of any of the netminders. I don't know if you want to start with anything on that, uh, but just from an overall initial thoughts, that was one of my takeaways. Yep, echoing exactly what you said. I mean, he was 19 for 21 in terms of even strength saves, Um, but he looked good. I mean, yeah, an 821 save percentage on, you know, the surface, you would say, oh, well, this is another gong show performance from the goaltender. Lincoln actually made a lot of really good saves that kept this team in the game and actually took them to overtime. So if you ask me, as of today, right now, Friday night, Lankanen needs to get the net against Detroit. I think he, like you said, you said it perfectly. He played the most composed game of the two so far. We we joked about the Delia flop and the Delia flail yeah. um, that we saw a lot of the last two games. Malcolm Subban just looks completely lost as an NHL goaltender. And, you know, obviously I would, I would love to be able to root for the guy and him become, you know, what people thought he would be when he was a first-round draft pick way back in the day for the Boston Bruins. But he just hasn't become that, and I agree. I mean, Lankin and right now, just he looks like the most composed goalie, and if he's going to be that guy, if he's the best of the worst right now, and that's how the season plays out, you got to let him ride the net. So agree with you 100%, though, Johnny. Most composed game by far by a Blackhawks goaltender through four. Yeah, definitely. That was just something. Maybe it's just a style with which he plays as well. Uh, he's a little more stationary. Uh, you saw Delia going out, and obviously one of the goals uh, against him in a game against Tampa uh, was a result of him playing the puck and then not being able to get back into position. So uh, Lankanen does not do that as much. Um, he's not going to go out and play the puck. Um, so maybe that gives you a little more stable feeling there. Um, but just from his movement, uh, from post to post and whatnot, uh, just looked a little more composed. Uh, that's the word I would go with uh, for Kevin Lankanen. But anyway... Uh, that was just like initial takeaway here that I had. Um, another one was line blender, uh, very much in operation tonight. Uh, Patrick Kane seemingly playing all up and down. Um, and uh, Patrick Kane, then again, is reason alone enough to watch this team. So um, we'll get into it uh, because that will come uh, with the fun stuff in the second period. So first period, though, um, switching up pairs here, Ron M- Murphy and Zadarov starting together. Uh, Boquist and Keith and Mitchell and Dahan. Um, interesting. I think it was a kind of a comfortability thing. Uh, if you're not going to scratch Boquist, uh, put him back with the uh, most veteran guy that you have there. Yeah, and it absolutely made a ton of sense. Um, but at the same time, a little weird tonight. I think because of Keith being paired with Boquist, we didn't see the normal workload that Keith would usually get. He was actually the fourth uh, leading ice time getter of the Blackhawks defenseman tonight with just over 20 minutes. Um, Calvin DeHaan playing just over 21 minutes, but that Murphy Zadorov pairing mentioned played a lot of ice time tonight. Keith is Zadorov played what 24 and a half minutes. Murphy almost played 27 minutes tonight, which is crazy. Boakfast's only getting about 12 and a half minutes again tonight. And I almost feel like, you know, it, it's great to see Duncan Keith out there and, you know, kind of being that mentor to him. And uh, Dunks had a good night to assist from him. Boakfast also getting an assist in this one. But if you don't feel confident enough to play the kid, you might as well just scratch him. Let one of these other kids, give me Kalniak, give me 
I, I know Carlson and Kalnuck had to be, you know, sent to the taxi squad in order to get Lankinen and Hagel into tonight's game. But, you know, give me one of these kids and let, as we said on the last episode, let Bokvist go down to the A and be the guy, play 23 to 25 minutes a night, make mistakes, learn from him, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of feel the same way about Ian Mitchell. I mean, I love that he's playing with Dahan. I think he's the perfect guy to pair with Ian Mitchell. But, like, why are you only going to play Ian Mitchell 14 minutes? You know, if you're so confident in these kids and letting them play, then why aren't they playing? And I get it. You're in this game. You want to try and win. I understand that. But, like, yes, Mitchell made a couple of eh, plays tonight. But overall, he didn't play an awful game. I think that warranted more than 14 minutes of ice time. And we all know that Boakfast looks like a deer in the headlights. So um, I, I like the move. I, I don't mind switching up pairings and, and letting kind of Keith be his guardian angel, so to say, with Boakfast. But even then... You know, we still saw Keith out there with guys like Zadarov and Murphy at times because, you know, they really played with five defensemen, especially later in this game. I like the shakeup. I'm glad they didn't shake up the Mitchell and Dahan pairing, though. Um, but, yeah, if Bokus isn't going to work with Zadarov, you might as well throw him with Keith. I think that's the only other guy I would feel comfortable personally putting Bokus with. Yeah, so I just wanted to point that out because that was right from the get-go here. So let's kind of get into some of the scoring here. Um, talk about that Mitchell-Dehan pairing. Um, they get burned, maybe Dehan more so on this one after watching the replay a couple times. Um, but it, it was a uh, play through the center of the ice kind of in transition. Uh, and Dehan uh, looked like he got caught a little bit flat-footed with Ian Mitchell already pinching up along the wall. So um, Verhage gets behind. Uh, he was a great acquisition. And um, he, you know, burned the Hawks again. Uh, gets in and uh, it slips behind DeHaan and beats Lankinen uh, to put the Panthers up 1-0. So Mitchell, not all his fault there, but that could also be a factor. You go and look at who was there and what was the setup on that play. Um, that that could be a factor in what led to the lower ice time that you mentioned earlier, Ron. Yeah, especially I think just because of how early it was in the game too, right? I, I mean, you know, when that happens kind of out the gate, you know, maybe Colleton's thinking, okay, you know, maybe he's a little rattled. Maybe we'll we'll try and let him, you know, kind of breathe a little bit on the bench before, you know, trotting him back out there and putting him in a high leverage situation. So I guess I get that to an extent. But, um, yeah, overall, I mean, Verhage's a good player. He is playing on the top line with Barkov, who to me is one of the most underappreciated centers in the NHL. Uh, and Anthony Duclair, who, you know, even though he didn't have success in Chicago and Arizona, has found some success playing in these, you know, kind of, higher roles with uh with certain teams like he did last year with ottawa and then obviously now this year with florida he looked good so it's a good line that they have that's their top line at least it was for tonight so um you know the kid's gonna make mistakes we, we talked about it in the preview episode uh not too long ago you know let them make them and just keep on trucking and you know see what happens and you know clearly tonight they showed a little bit of resilience so uh, that's obviously a good thing then for, for the rest of the night. Yeah, so a little sequence here then, Ron. Uh, Strom takes a tripping penalty. Uh, Hornquist <laughs> capitalizes on the power play. Um, it, it was a shot from the point, and he had great position inside. Uh, puts the Panthers up 2-0. Uh, you get the feeling that this is going to be another one of those runaway games uh, that just you know gets away from the Blackhawks early. But um, there was a little response um, after that because the Blackhawks got a power play of their own, and uh, Dominic Kubelik was just shooting everything and anything at the net, and it was a beautiful sight because we know he has a great one-timer um one eventually went in maybe not the prettiest one on this first attempt uh there will be one later to talk about but um it you know he just keeps firing away it was his third shot attempt uh within like a maybe 15 second sequence there and uh deflects in off a defender uh, to make it 2-1 here thoughts on that i i feel like the o always says it right 
you know, good things happen when the puck goes to the net. And that's exactly what happened to Dominic Kubalik. Um, again, we mentioned it, had a great night tonight, led the team shots on goal with eight. I think that's also a huge stat for him. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, Do- I- I've seen things on Twitter. Oh, Dominic Kubalik, maybe he's not the best skater. He's maybe not the best passer. That's fine. One thing the dude does have is a wicked shot. Um, you know, and, and coming in that quickly and, you know, the def- the D-man sitting out in front of uh, of Bob's, nothing you can do about it when it hits you and it takes a, a funny bounce. And, you know, like you said, it's not pretty, but sometimes those ugly goals are the ones you need to back- get back in the hockey games. Yeah, absolutely. And that did uh, it certainly put the Blackhawks back uh, in this hockey game after going down 2-0 early. Um, one thing that I just want to note here is I don't know if uh, NHL's website is kind of uh, wonky uh, on this or maybe the guys recording it uh, aren't as generous. But at first, uh, you know, that goal by Kubelik said it was unassisted. And even as I checked mm-hmm. back like later in like the third period, um, said there were no assists. But they eventually did credit them to Keith and Walmart. So uh, like you had tweeted at me, uh, you and I both very happy to see Lucas Walmart uh, record his first Blackhawks point. Um, and he wouldn't be done there though so uh, let's move on despite two goals in that first period uh kevin lankinen like i said look composed there's no lankinen flail like there is for dahlia um so that, that was just one of my other observations from the first on to the second period then ron um er, early on hawks caught in a bad change uh duclair gets stopped on a breakaway uh but you get two defensemen sucked to one corner um and verhage is the only one uh, out in front of the net um he cleans this thing up after duclair like i mentioned was stopped uh makes it 3-1 panthers another instance in this game where you think oh my god it's another runaway yep that was a uh, here we go again kind of moment i think uh, i know there was a lot of chatter not only on twitter but also in our four feathers chat as well of uh oh is this going to be another 5-2 game like it, it really started to have that feel after that second for Hagee goal uh after that though um one theme that i also had for tonight was hagel in the fourth line we got brandon hagel like we mentioned uh kevin lankinen making his debut uh brandon hagel made his season debut he did play in one game last year with the hawks but uh him in the fourth line uh they had some really quality shifts out there um and they were kind of you know applying the pressure instead of just waiting and sitting back uh on this so they they had a um you know, a really solid shift that uh, they were able to get a change off to the top guys, the top line. Then while Florida still kept their tired on the ice, Florida takes a fatigue penalty. Um, Blackhawks go to the power play and uh, Kubelik this time. Uh, this one was pretty, uh, not the first one. It was just an absolute bomb. Uh, exactly what you love to see um, coming over from Keith and Walmart. I uh, was the one who won the draw to get it back to Keith there. So uh, you had to love that as your stick to click, Ron. Absolutely. I told you, man, I was pumped. As soon as he scored that second goal, uh, I got really excited. I was like, okay, I think I, I think I made a good stick to click uh, pick here tonight. Uh, I'm pretty happy about that. But yeah, like you said, I mean, um, you know, good stuff from that fourth line tonight. I really enjoyed watching Brandon Hagel. He's like the perfect energy player that this team needs on that fourth line. I, there was points, I know, skipping ahead a little bit here, but there's points in that third period where, you know, he was almost like, you could tell he was out of gas, but he was still giving it 110% as he's skating, like, toward the bench to go try and get a stick check as he goes for a change. Like, that's what I love to see, you know, especially out of young guys like this. Hagel was a huge scorer in his WHL time. I think he was, like, a 100-plus point scorer um, in that overage season before he signed with the Hawks. And now look at him, you know. Uh, you know, he he's not afraid to to be that guy. He was the leading goal scorer last year for Rockford, which shows he has a scoring touch, but he's not afraid to be that energy player. He's not he understands what his role is and is able to go out and do it. And I think it's a testament to that whole fourth line. Camp Carpenter, that whole group looked great tonight. 
Um, and like you said, obviously that, you know, what that led to, and then obviously the beautiful bomb from Kubalik, um, you know, Walmart to assist tonight. Congrats to him for his for two, two first points. I'm like talking so fast. I feel like Vinny Hinostroza right now. I'm talking so fast to like, I can't keep up with my own words just like he couldn't <laughs> keep up with the puck. And I was glad to see that again tonight. It made me feel a little better about him no longer being a Blackhawk. But um, no, <laughs> seeing another Kuba League just absolute clapper uh, was beautiful. And again, it gave the Hawks some hope. Uh, definitely, Ron. Um, after this, uh, Adam Boquist gets crunched awkwardly along the boards by Huberdeau, uh, went to the locker room, didn't return for the rest of the second. Um, but luckily, he did return uh, when they did start the third. Um, you, you talked about, you know, Zadorov getting a lot of minutes, so maybe it's more noticeable. Um, everyone's going to make mistakes out there, but um, he, he had a bad, uh, you know, kind of turnover. It was very... Uh, softly played puck over to Murphy as he was retreating from uh, kind of in between the blue lines. Um, and that led to some quality uh, possession by Florida and some chances there um, ended up hitting the post very easily uh, could have been burned on that one. So um, I just wanted to point that out because uh, yeah, there, you know, there's going to be mistakes that happen, but man, uh, when they're costly and the other team's coming at you full speed, man, uh, you, you got to find a way to clean those up. And hopefully that's just an adjustment they make going forward. But I just wanted to point it that out there um, because I think I tweeted from Four Feathers. He, he should have kissed the post uh, after that one because uh, it bailed him out big time. So beyond that, here, here we go. Another recurring theme, uh, fourth line causing more havoc. But, you know, they just don't have that finish as of right now, depending on where it's at. And maybe that'll happen. That'll come with time. Um, and Brandon Hagel, someone like that with a little more hands, like you had mentioned the touch that he had scoring in the minors uh, and juniors. Um, hopefully that can help translate and bring a little more offense to that line because they create the chances. It'd be nice to just fucking bury one uh, at one point. So, other than that, this is where the line blender uh, kicked in. You got Kubelik, Strom, Kane playing together. I think Kane, you know, uh, someone said that I think he's played with every line. Um, feels like it. I um, mean, might as well. Uh, might, might as well just let the guy run. So um, another thing that uh, we talked about, you know, despite Ian Mitchell's low ice time, uh, just another takeaway from in the second frame here before we get to the highlight reel at the end. Uh, Ian Mitchell, uh, despite, you know, kind of uh, getting sucked up uh, early on, uh, that led to one of the early goals for the Panthers makes an absolutely excellent recovery um, on the Huberto breakaway um, in the mid late stages of the second period. So I just wanted to point that out too, um, because it's the development process and you're going to see, this is what the real Ian Mitchell is about. Um, all the other mistakes and stuff you see is just uh, him adjusting and growing um, as the season progresses. So um, other than that, um, Mitchell played with Keith a little bit after Boquist exited. So uh, I thought that was interesting, just the way that you adjust things um, when there's an injury and you're only playing 5D there. Uh, but Ron, to cap this thing off uh, in the second period in the latter stages, Patrick Kane, vintage backhand shot, roof past Bobrovsky. How beautiful was it? It was so beautiful, Johnny. Make it nasty, Patrick Kane. It was nasty. I mean, like you said, that is a trademark Patrick Kane backhander. Just absolute filth. Top shelf where grandma hides the cookies. It was unbelievable. What a way to end the period, too, right? I mean, that was scored with, what, 50 seconds left in the period? I mean, you can't beat that for a momentum shift going into that third period. And honestly, I think that really helped the Hawks coming into that third period be able to hang with Florida and, you know, 
get to the point where the game got to tonight. Because if you're going down one, you know, maybe some of these young guys are like, all right, we still got a chance, but we are still losing. When you're tied, it's a whole different mindset. You're like, hey, it's 0-0. Let's go out there, take care of business, win the third period, and we can get out of this with a W. Obviously, that didn't happen tonight, but you got to feel good if you're a team, you know, like the Hawks, who admittedly have obviously struggled through the first three games, you know, feeling like they're finally starting to contend with some good teams. I mean, Florida's a good team, uh, whether people don't, you know, realize that or not. And so uh, that was that was exactly what the doctor ordered uh, at the end of that second period there before they entered that final frame of play. I agree on uh, that kept a minute uh, and that, you know, tied the game up at three uh, at the moment, gave them some hope uh, going into the locker room there. The, the attitude is not uh, guys. we got to get one here. It's guys. Let's get the one to finish it here. Um, at least that's how I, I imagine the talk went down uh, in the locker room. But um, the couple just comments on this Patrick Kane goal once. Yes, uh, just absolutely vintage Patrick Kane. But they interviewed Dominic Kubalik after and he, I love his comment. Uh, they, they, he was the intermission interview uh, for uh, between the second and third periods. And he had said, oh, yeah, I feel like any of us would break our wrists uh, trying to do that and elevate it on the backhand like that. So I just thought that was a funny comment. Uh, wanted to reshare it in here. So on the third period, uh, final frame. Um, actually, not the final frame tonight. Um, but uh, third period here, uh, Bocos is back on the ice. That was nice to see. Uh, Kane Cat, a little good chemistry early on. Uh, Keith takes a high-sticking penalty. Penalty kill was 0 for 2 um, going up to this. Florida had scored on both power plays uh, beforehand, but um, that was a big kill in the moment. Blackhawks were able to um, find their footing there um, and make some good uh, clean exits uh, from the zone uh, to kill that one off a uh, big juncture in the game. And then uh, after that, not too long, uh, Phil Kershev scores his first NHL goal run, uh, skating one way, shooting the other, probably one that Sergei Bobrovsky would like to have back, but what a moment for Mr. Kershev. Absolutely. I mean, we were talking about it the other night that he probably got robbed of his first career goal uh, just on Sunday night, uh, thanks to uh, Chris Dreiger. But yeah, what a great play from him. I just, the whole play to me was great. I mean, Kubalik finds Kurashev, you know, just outside of the, the Hawks blue line. And I like Kurashev having the confidence, right? I mean, we talk about the young guys this season and how are they going to develop and how are they going to be able to take that next step and be a part of this future? And I think Kurashev did that tonight because. You know, he only played just over 10 minutes. Um, and for those that don't realize, this a little bit of a sidebar here. Um, as we record these, the time on ice totals change on NHL.com as they adjust them. And it really trips me out because about five minutes ago, it said Kubalik played 14 minutes. And now it says he played 13 and a half minutes. Just want to put that out there because earlier I thought Kurashev did not play 10 minutes. And now they're saying he did. So, but nonetheless, um, I, I really like seeing him jump into the play. Like he did, you know, he really took command of the puck. He knew he was out in front of everybody else. He took a chance. He had some space. He he knew he had the Florida blue liners, um, you know, kind of on their heels a little bit and fuck it, you know, just you throw the puck on net. Good things happen when pucks go to the net. AO says it. We always say it. And uh, kid gets his first goal. First goal is Johnny. Cool and tough. Very happy for Philip Kershev. Cool and tough indeed for uh, Philip Kershev there. Uh, another moment uh, that was pretty cool after that as well, Ron. If you remember... When Adam Boquist scored his first career goal uh, last year, it was just uh, it was a game at Anaheim, I believe, early like November. Um, it was just after a power play had ended, but Adam Boquist ripped one from the uh, top of the left circle. And who was out in front screening? Kirby Doc. Uh, he was the one that picked up the puck, uh, brought it to Adam Boquist. Uh, Adam Boquist returns a favor to 
Philip Khrushchev tonight. Uh, he was the one that collected that puck and brought it to him. So uh, I just think that, you know, it, it's a small thing. It's, you know, kind of just like sentimental value, whatever it is. But I, I think that is, uh, you know, the part of, oh, these guys are here for these other teammates' first milestones. Uh, I feel like that's something uh, about building chemistry, building a core um, of guys that are going to be playing together uh, for years to come. So I, I just thought that was a cool moment and wanted to uh, insert that in here as well. Um, but that, that gave the Blackhawks their first lead of the season, Ron. Um, th- that was great for a whole minute and 22 seconds <laughs> until Ryan Carpenter takes Damn a fucking Ryan Carpenter takes a hooking penalty, uh, and Keith Yandel scores on the ensuing power play uh, to tie it back up at four to four. Uh, definitely deflating. Yeah, what is the worst name in the English language? Keith. Yeah. Anyway, Keith. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just, yeah, that was such a deflating moment. I literally, I was, I was celebrating. I was freaking out. I'm like, yeah, Persian, woo, great. I like ran downstairs real quick to grab another. Um, adult beverage and then I ran back up and I literally walked in as Yandel scores and I'm like, son of a bitch, I wasn't gone for more than a minute, what the hell just happened and yeah, very deflating not only I'm sure as a player on the ice but you know, just as a, as a fan watching at home because you're just like, like you said that was their first lead of the season and it took until the fourth fucking game to get it and then you piss it away in a minute and a half and it's just like, come on and I'm sure, I mean let's be honest, I'm sure there was a moment there where every player on the bench went, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, yeah. that had to go through at least a couple of the guys' heads. I'm just like, we finally catch a break. We finally get the lead. And then it's gone. <laughs> Literally, again. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's gone. And it's gone. Exactly. So, I just uh, deflating as hell. But, I mean, it was, you know, uh, like you said, though, it was on the power play. The That was kind of the moral of the game tonight. I mean, there was only one kill that was successful to make by either team. And that was a Hawks kill. Yeah. Uh, a Florida power play. So it's just, it, it was one of those nights where special teams kind of dominated the score sheet and, you know, shit happens, but at least it was only tied and it wasn't them giving up the lead. Yeah. Uh, three for four, um, Florida on the power play tonight. So Blackhawks only with one kill. Um, that comes after a stretch of decent ones that they had uh, in the first game against Florida and the second game against uh, Tampa Bay. So um, definitely something to clean up as they go forward and, and take on Detroit this weekend. But last takeaways from the third period were uh, Kelvin Hahn uh, had an excellent breakup uh, to bring up a scoring chance. And uh, just a reminder that we at Four Feathers Podcast are uh, very pro Kelvin Hahn. Uh, Ron got the whole crew uh, some shirts. Um, at the beginning of last season. Uh, thanks for those, Ron. Uh, and Ron has a very nice authentic jersey as well. I got to meet Kelvin Nahan uh, back in February uh, after he was already out, but uh, did a little uh, craft brew thing uh, up at Goose Island, so I got to meet him there. Great guy. Just wanted to throw that out there because we love Kelvin Hahn here. Uh, and that was an excellent breakup in a crunch time situation. So um, other than that, uh, Keith almost knocked one into his own net uh, as we're getting down to the wire here. Um, and Kevin Lankin stopped it. Um, Ron, shit happens sometimes. Uh, that's just the way it goes when it's fast paced out in front of the net. Um, but a uh, good reaction by Lankin. And I think that, uh, you know, speaks to him being, uh, what did I say? Uh, controlled, calm, uh, composed. Um, yeah. that, that's that just uh, kind of backs that up there. So uh, other than that, I thought it was pretty funny that Shaw had a truck stick at the end, uh, just absolutely <sighs> railing over a guy trying to deliver a hit on him uh, as he 
is entering the zone. So uh, good to see some, uh, you know, contact from Shawzi. And he was uh, around the front of the net a few occasions as well uh, tonight. But either way, uh, this game goes into overtime, tied 4-4. Four to four. Um, And as we get into overtime, uh, there's a three-on-one situation. Blackhawks kind of got tripped up. Uh, looked like uh, Yen Mark was tripping on whatever the ice monster is. Um, maybe there are piles of snow that they didn't <laughs> Zamboni or, uh, you know, shovel out of the way. Uh, either way, it was a three-on-one, and Lankanen makes two unbelievable stops. Uh, and then, unfortunately, on a uh, rush a little bit later on, um, two defenders for the Hawks get sucked to one side. Uh, Keith doesn't really have a chance uh, as uh, Vitrano buries a one-timer, 5-4 Panthers win. Hawks collect a point, Ron, but, um, you know, you, you lose the game, so that still leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Oh, absolutely. And and just quickly returning to that uh, Shaw truck stick, I, I literally burst out laughing hysterically when that happened. I, I It's so much to the point where I was like, I have to tweet this because this is hilarious. I might, there might be some fans that are just like, oh, wow, nice hit. And I'm just like, no, that was awesome because that's like Andrew Shaw old to me, right? Like, that's him being Andrew Shaw. Like, he's going to run people over because that's just what he does. But, you know, taking it back to that extra frame. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln looked great. Uh, that three-on-one scared the shit out of me. I was like, and not only was it a three-on-one, ladies and gentlemen, for those that maybe didn't see the game, Debrinkit was the one back. And this is not a shot at Debrinkit. But naturally, I'd feel better if there's a defenseman back here than there is a, a winger. But as you mentioned, Lincoln, an unbelievable stop. The Hawks had a couple decent rushes in that overtime period. But as you mentioned, you know, Defense gets sucked to the one side, and Vachon was a good enough player when he's that wide open that he's going to bury a one-timer if you give it to him right in his wheelhouse, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, Florida gets the second point tonight. Unfortunate, um, as you mentioned, obviously we were all really hoping and rooting for the first Blackhawks dub of the season, but um, you know they're going to roll into Friday 0-3-1, which is unfortunate, but Detroit sucks, and they're, they're, they're coming down. But um, again... A lot of silver linings, though, and I'm sure we're uh, we're gonna we're each gonna have a couple things we want to dive into a little bit here that about this game because it wasn't all bad, believe it or not, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, so I guess mine for observations here uh, is your best offensive period uh, of the season to date uh, came in the second period. Absolute domination at 5-on-5, five five, uh, 65.38% of the Corsi attempts in your favor. Um, you, you had uh, scoring chances were 9-4 to four, uh, in that middle frame. Uh, in favor of the Blackhawks, uh, the things are trending there. So whatever they found uh, that clicked well in, in that second period, let's recreate that in practice and carry it over into this weekend series. What do you say, Ron? Absolutely, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, I mean there was there was a lot to be happy about tonight. I think um, just kind of summing it all up. Nice to see Walmart finally get on the score sheet. I think he played a really important role in this game. He got some time with Kane. Um, got some time with other guys as well. He played 16 minutes. Uh, crazy to see Andrew Shaw and Matthias Janmark play the ice time they did. Shaw just shy of 19 minutes. Janmark played over 19 minutes tonight, which I think is absolutely bananas. But um, overall, a lot of good things, though. Dominic Kubelik, three points. Can't be mad about that, especially only 13 and a half minutes of ice time. He took advantage of his ice time, made the most of it, showing that he can be a scorer without Jonathan Taves, which I think is an important thing for him to do. You know, He needs to prove to this team that He's not just a, hey, I leech off of good players and, and play better when I play with elite talent. You know, even when he wasn't playing with Kane, he was, you know, still getting the job done. Kershev's first, always awesome to see that. Uh, Kane is still nasty. Um, you know, I nice seeing uh, points for 
Um, checking here right now. Oh, okay. They finally updated it. So four defensemen registered points tonight. Uh, everybody except that Dehan Mitchell parent uh, at least had an assist. Keith having a second assist as well. Um, so and Lankinen also huge takeaway from the night. Like you said, most composed goalie so far through the first game uh, four games where we've seen both Delia and. Uh, Subban. So uh, a lot of good things, but they get two days off, which I think is going to be big for this team. Just kind of reset mentally uh, and you get to come home. You know, your your first four games are all in the Sunshine State. Now they get to come home on Friday night. And I, I pray to God that the UC has at least some sense of humor and sense of where the fans, you know, feel like they do. And um it's just it's it's just one of them things, man. Uh, they Detroit sucks. They better be pumping through the speakers on Friday night. And I'm, I'm looking for some good things to happen uh, from this Blackhawks team. Yeah, you know, they're coming home. And Carl Soderberg joins the team. I think that's worth mentioning. Um, you know, might not be a lot to a casual fan, but another center that is going to add depth to this team and can kill penalties. Maybe he brings a little bit of a spark um, and it helps balance out some of these lines that you know were otherwise a little shaky through the first four games. So. Looking forward to it and, and hoping for some good things to happen uh, come Friday night against Detroit at the United Center. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. And I think with that, uh, you, you summed up a lot of those um, observations, uh, the final ones that we have here. Uh, my only other one is uh, Zadorov just needs to be more sure uh, with his passes, especially if he's going to see that level of ice time. Um, you, you can't have uh, what happened in the second period um, as he was pussyfooting it over to uh, Connor Murphy and completely... Uh, letting the Panthers have a 35-second uh, full-on blitz uh, at Kevin Lankinen. So uh, do your goalie some favors. Uh, do your forwards trying to backcheck some favors as well. Uh, make the sure pass um, and make a hard play. Hey, if you zing it past Connor Murphy, but it goes off the boards and he's able to collect it and at least chip into the other zone, okay. It's not ideal, but it's better than uh, letting the, the, the opposing forwards come in with speed as you're flat-footed. So uh, that, that was just one of my uh, other observations here. All right, uh, let's move on to what's on tap next. What's on tap next is Blackhawks versus Red Wings, as Ron was alluding to, Friday, January 22nd, 7 p.m. Central Time on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, Detroit sucks. We all know it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they do have one win so far. Ron, I'm trying to get the live uh, update here on what happened with them tonight. They um, won tonight. Uh, they won in overtime. Again, so, yeah. Now, now, now that brings their record to uh, 2-2-0. Uh, the Red Wings are. Um, they split their opening series with Carolina, and now they have uh, split their uh, second series with Columbus. So uh, Detroit, not not the last year's Red Wings, Ron. I have this in here. Uh, a little more pop for them. It's not uh, excessively like, you know, massive names, but Bobby Ryan, fairly well known. Uh, you used to, you know, uh, pot goals at a pretty decent pace. Um, and then they got Vladislav Nemec. Mesnikov, too, a guy who's kind of a shit disturber um, around the net, uh, and he can do a little bit of everything. So um, yeah. add those to the young core uh, that they have coming up, and you know, guys like Dylan Larkin there. It's a, a different Detroit team uh, this year for sure uh, that I think we're going to see. Absolutely. And and just to add to that, uh, they you know on the back end as well, they bring in John Merrill on a one-year contract, a guy that's kind of been known as a stay-at-home defenseman for most of his NHL career. Troy Setcher, a guy that if anybody's watched Vancouver games is probably a little familiar with, they brought him on a two-year contract. So they added some nice depth pieces, like you said. They didn't add anybody that's you know going to take this team over the moon by any means, but they they've definitely given more depth to their lineup. 
Um, and as you mentioned, you know, add that in with the core guys like Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, um, Hronick on the back end. You know, they got some pieces, and they're, they're probably still a couple of years away, but anytime we've seen it, what he did in Tampa, but Stevie Eiserman can run a team and, and draft talent. He's, he's shown it. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, winning the Cup in 2020, I think is a perfect testament to that. So they're going to come. They're going to come ready to play. Um, you know, they have some good players. I would expect to see Thomas Grace probably in net. I think he had tonight off. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's the goaltender. But, um, yeah, not not this, not this last year's Red Wings by any means. And I, to me, a guy to watch out for is the guy you mentioned. Bobby Ryan's got four goals already. I mean, he's he's taking advantage of an opportunity to play in that top six and try and kind of reinvent himself. You know, he, he obviously went through the rehab that he did, uh, took some time to himself last year when he was in Ottawa, came back, was actually very good in the last few games that he played before the end of the season. Um, you know, and, and they, they bought him out and gave him a chance to kind of revitalize himself, go somewhere else and, and earn an opportunity. Detroit said, Hey, we can let you play in our top six. We have the, the capacity right now because we're a rebuilding team. Come back, come here, you know, make your, your value known and, you know, try and resurrect your career and shit, four goals through about four games already. Uh, he's making a case. He's going to be an interesting name to me to watch at the deadline because on a one-year team contract, that's the kind of guy that a playoff team's going to want to add for some depth scoring, uh, you know, come March or whenever the, the trade deadline is in this 56-game stint. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, Ron, um, before uh, we get to our six to click, my question is, um, I think it should be a fairly easy answer. Are the Hawks this year's equivalent of the 1920 Red Wings? It, it really, yes, I agree. Uh, it 100% feels that way. I was actually thinking about that at one point tonight. Um, they were down, they being the Blackhawks, were down three to one. Um, I literally had a moment where I thought to myself, I said, fuck, is this team really going to be last year's Red Wings where like they can't even win 20 games? And that's in a shortened season. Like, you know, obviously the Red Wings lost, what, or they won, what, 17 and uh, 70 games before everything shut down. But shit, man, 56 games, I'm concerned this Blackhawks team can even win 20 games. But that probably puts them in the in the draft lottery. So I guess there is a silver lining to that. But nonetheless, still makes it a little harder to watch for us over here at Four Feathers. And uh, yeah, let's just, Johnny, I, I can't take the heartbreak if this team loses to the Red Wings on Friday. I really can't. I can't do it. Yeah, I, I know it's it's going to be hard, Ron. Um, the the one thing I will say is there um, there was no bona fide superstar. Um, with the Red Wings there. So this is one difference that I would draw. Um, Patrick Kane, like I'd mentioned at the beginning, is reason alone enough to watch uh, this team throughout this year. And then you got some Duncan Keith and put potential for Brent Seabrook return. Uh, who knows with Johnny Taves later on in the year. Um, but th- that alone, and then I think some of the offensive cohesion that you saw um, in the second period, at least tonight, and, and for stretches uh, in other parts uh, throughout various games to start this season, Ron, um, that makes it, I, I guess, at least the visual of it because they're Detroit last year was totally discombobulated. There was no flow to anything that they did at all. Like it was just spare parts out there clanking around uh, on the ice. So uh, I think there is a little more offensive flow, but uh, defensively, yeah, the Blackhawks are that bad. They're that level of the 2019, 20 Red Wings. So um, that's just where we're at right now. So I just wanted to put that into perspective because that's the team that we're facing here upcoming. But um, either way, Ron, you you had a uh, hot night tonight with Kubalik. Is your stick to click? So uh, give us one for Friday evening. 
Yeah, um, this one, this one's gonna be gonna be tough. I actually, so I'm gonna go with a guy that I liked what I thought of him tonight. He maybe didn't show up a ton on the score sheet by any means, but I, I enjoyed Alex DeBrinkett's play tonight. I think he did a lot of good things. Um, if I remember correctly, I think there was one point where he broke up a play defensively coming on the back check. Um, when I want to say it was Ian Mitchell, maybe got caught down a little too low, and then you know he had the chance with Kane where Kane kind of got it fumbled off of his stick. I don't know what happened when they kind of were crashing the net or whatever, but Debrinket again, we we talked about it last episode, Donnie. This is kind of the Alex Debrinket revenge tour this year, you know, making up for the the snake bitten season that he had last year, even though he still was a you know a forty point scorer in seventy games, most of those going via assists rather than goals. But you know, he looks good. He looks like a complete player this year. I think he really is kind of stepping into that mold, knowing he's a $6 million a year player and that this team's going to need to lean on him in order to win games. So I'm going to go ahead and take, uh, you know, whatever you want to call him, whether it's Mighty Mouse, um, you know, the short sniper. Who cares? Number 12, uh, Alex Brinkett is my stick to click Friday evening against the Detroit Red Wings, which is also his hometown team because he grew up in Michigan. So I feel like that's a perfect game for him to uh go off maybe have a dominic kubelik-esque game uh himself on friday night maybe three points would be lovely yeah i would love to see that um all about the debrinket bounce back season uh totally here for it so i like that pick ron i will go with the mutt andrew shaw out in front um greasy goal it's gonna happen uh he, he was around good areas tonight um liked you know like you had said uh getting uh, that ice time up there a little bit more um to, just like the energy uh, that he brings and he looks fearless um you know, it's it's a little bit more reserved game. I would say he's not as recklessly wild, uh, especially along the end boards. But um, when you get him in there, uh, transitioning from neutral zone to ozone, um, he's got a one track mind, and it's for the net. So he's going to get absolutely for that. Andrew yeah, Scott. and and just to quickly add on your point, Johnny, that something that people maybe wouldn't see if they haven't read the score sheet yet. He was tied for third most shots on goal by this team tonight. He had four. Uh, as well as three hits. So he seems to have found a kind of an overall well-rounded game. He was also 50% in the dots tonight too. So um, enjoying what I'm seeing out of this kind of revitalized Andrew Shaw. And I, I, I don't hate your pick at all, Johnny. I think he might actually have a really good night, especially at home. Uh, even with no fans, I think, you know, the mutt's going to kind of feed off that his first game at the UC and what almost a year and well over a half. It was end of November of 2019, his last uh, game at the United Center. So, You're, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Um, and also, uh, side note on that, he scored in his uh, first home game after being reacquired. Um, if you remember, the Blackhawks played out in Prague uh, to start the year when they came back home, played the San Jose Sharks. Andrew Shaw out in front um, scored a goal there. So thank you very much. I know it's not going to be the same atmosphere with the fans in the stands and whatnot, but uh, I think he loves Chicago. And he's had to be back. And uh, just like I said, style of play, uh, mentality, going to the net, uh, going to get rewarded. So that's why he's my pick. All right, let's wrap this thing up, Ron. Uh, before we do, though, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on Twitter at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to those. So, Ron, um, you got any final thoughts? Well, one last zinger to send us out with? Yeah, I um, like I said, I think a, a game tonight that I, I'm not disappointed to say I was a Blackhawks fan that watched tonight because I think they did a lot of good things. I think this is a game that can, they can build off of. And again, even if they're losing games, at least if they're competitive and these young guys are starting to grow in their game, you know, that's a win 
I think, in terms of what the expectation for the season is. Obviously, Kurashev getting on the board for the first time for his career was huge. Walmart getting on the score sheet for the first time this season. Kubali kind of having his first breakout game of the year. A lot of good things to talk about. Um, and then just quickly, I will uh, throw this back over to you, Johnny, by letting people know that Brandon Saad did score tonight. So that's all. Yeah. Great. Lovely. I'm actually wearing the Saad jersey uh, under this jersey that I'm wearing right now. Hey. Around, but, um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, my final thought um, real quick is uh, Lucas Walmark. Uh, thank you for getting two points tonight and uh, being well on your way to being the best value signing in the entire NHL um, at your 850K contract, uh, as well as my hot take on the season preview episode. So thank you, Lucas Walmark. I'd love to see it. Uh, let's get a greasy goal out in front next time. So, all right, um, that does it, Ron. Let's close this down. The only way we know how. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks, baby.